Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I'm actor, writer, director, and sometimes DJ Diallo Riddle. And I'm producer, DJ, and songwriter Luxury, a.k.a. the guy who whispers interpolation on TikTok. And welcome to the first episode of One Song. The show where we deconstruct and celebrate some of your favorite songs from the past 60 years in music history and tell you why they deserve one more listen. I promise you, you'll never hear these songs the same way again. Okay, Luxury, our first episode is about the great Amy Winehouse, her sultry, soulful music, and specifically her song Rehab. Before we get into that, though, I think it might be helpful to the listeners to know how we got here. Our backstory, our origin story. Yeah, let's, yes. let's do it. The people need to know. How did these guys come together? The backstory to our show, to our friendship, to all of it, it's kind of cool. Like, we met at a birthday party, a kid's birthday party. <laughs> so it was like a Saturday at two. And uh, we just like started talking and we were just vibing, straight vibing. And like, it didn't take long before kind of the classic cliche of, of, of maybe our era, maybe back in you know, 30, 40 years ago would have been like, we should write a screenplay together or whatever. <laughs> we should, we should do improv together. But now it's, we should do a podcast together. And, and boy, did we, <laughs> did we follow through on that promise? Cause here we are, we made it. We got our podcast. It's happening. This is the first we episode. We did it. You know, one of the things that I think makes our show a bit different is the fact that you have the stems from so many songs in the pop music canon, including Rehab. For folks unfamiliar with the word stems, can you explain what those are and how in the world did you get your hands on them? Absolutely. I mean, stems are literally just the component parts of the song. These, this is what they make in the studio. They lay down the the drums, then someone mm-hmm. plays bass, and then the vocals, and in between, yep. you know, everything else. But it's all done one at a time. And when you hear the song, you're not you're hearing it all together. So the rare thing, the special thing that I have is the step before that, where you can isolate them and listen individually. And that's where the magic happens. Because when you can just hear isolated anything, vocals, yeah. drums, you you hear it in a completely new way and it's really inspiring as a producer and songwriter but as a fan of the music and of the artist it's like you're hearing the song and it that you maybe have heard a thousand times completely differently and on this episode we will hear amy's voice which i think you'll agree is just phenomenal we will hear amy's voice just the vocal just the vocal they tried to make me go to rehab i said no 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 Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, you know, no, no. Chills, chills. She has one of the most beautiful voices of, of modern times, if not of the, the pop era altogether. Incredible. 
We are so excited to have you all join us for this show. This season, we've got some real classics for you. We've got Mo Money, Mo Problems by The Notorious B.I.G. We'll pick apart Blue Monday by New Order. And I am stoked to dig deeper into Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit and Britney Spears' Toxic. And also artists like Beyonce, Stevie Wonder, artists that you know and love, but you'll never hear their music the same way. We got a big season coming up. Okay, everybody, this is One Song. Tiello, have I ever told you my Amy Winehouse introduction story? No, you haven't. I first heard about Amy Winehouse. Well, let's see. I was, this is kind of funny because it goes back to a previous life when I was just luxury, the band. It was, we were so underground that the underground didn't even know about us. (laughs) But I had somehow made our way. I had funded a trip to Europe for the band, me and a bass player and a drummer. I had debt that I was paying to a friend who put up the money, a real estate magnate who was very generous. We're in Europe. We have no audience, no attention at all. And I, that's the first time I ever heard Amy Winehouse. This is 2006 was when she was blowing up there. Hey, before you go any further, like, yeah. what is that like when you're touring in a foreign I mean, country and people haven't heard the music? Like, are I you opening for you, bigger acts? Can I just tell you, because it was sort of like long enough ago that I look back on that person who did it and I'm like, how did you do that? And why did you do that? I have, we would play, I booked it myself. This is the MySpace era. So I would literally go online as a different MySpace persona, Victoria James. Oh, snap. I was my own booking agent because I thought that what sounded is Donald fancy. Trump's name? <laughs> I know, exactly. Baron something. That's okay, right. go ahead. I was my own publicist. But I booked a tour of Europe. I got on the road. I got us all there, all the equipment, renting cars, driving the opposite of the road. Total misery. And then we'd show up to the gig and there'd be a handful of people, not that many, like seven <laughs> or eight. But you just reminded me of this one gig we played in Nottingham. Came off, we were playing and people seemed to be digging it. They were like, kind of like, <laughs> There was one girl at the side of the stage. When I came off stage, she like was standing there and I was like bracing myself for a compliment. And I was like, kind of like, you know what you, you know how that's like, it's like, okay, I'm about to be humble. I'm about to be humble. And she goes, that was appalling. (laughs) (laughs) I thought she was going to say, I I wanted to see Victoria who had such good things to say. Oh my God, I'll never forget. And then I spent the rest of the night trying to convince her, trying to say, well, what about it exactly was appalling? Because perhaps you may have missed something that was not appalling about it. My God. Luxury, so, that's your game. I can see. Like you, you, you go up to them and you ask them for notes. <laughs> I'd like to be better so that next time around, that was a real moment. So that That's was... a real moment. I would be remiss if I didn't <laughs> mention, you mentioned that the girl came up to you at a 2006 concert and said that was appalling. <laughs> Same year, I had just started posting, you know... Uh, videos on the internet for my comedy and like we had built up like a small following <laughs> people liked our comedy then i remember one was time, this you and bashir this is me and bashir and i remember one time we posted a video <laughs> and like the second comment was a person who had loved everything we had posted before and they put not her best they put not you are best, and to this day, anytime me and Bashir want to criticize the inside each joke. other's writing, we always say mm, not her best. Not her best. <laughs> that person had a lasting influence. Uh, comments were really honest. In, that's uh, funny too, because that's also the era where we are hearing for the first time maybe some of these like internet like you are absolutely. So the first time you see it written down, you're like you're pronouncing it er like yeah. not out of irony, just out of like that's what it looks like. Not her best. Not her best. Yeah, I know. 
This is the world of 2006, though, by the way. And Mm -hmm. what's funny, if you kind of look back on that era with some of the footage of, like, Amy Winehouse, like, I was just watching the documentary the other night, and the fashion, that Bloghouse moment, was really infiltrating everywhere. And that's relevant. Bloghouse being that moment in the mid-2000s where the blogs were how we were getting our music, right? Were you getting your music around that era? I absolutely was. I kind of missed that period. I kind of missed that period a lot. Wait, so you were opening for her. I wasn't opening for Amy Winehouse. My point is that with the blogs, the way I heard Amy Winehouse, it wasn't on the radio. Uh, yeah, it, it, was on, it was because of a remix. Blogs. Absolutely. I had I had a blog at the time, too. I don't know if you know this. Did you know that I had a blog, Diallo? I had a blog. No, but now I'm your biggest fan. It was kind of decently known. It was called Disco Workout. And that was... I think I might have known Disco Workout, you actually. People... I, were you guys ever on a hype machine? But definitely on hype machine. Okay, so I was all over hype machine back in those days. And years and so... later, I would meet people and I'd be like, I do I do music as luxury, but I can never heard of you. And I'd be like, I have a blog called Disco Workout. Band. And they were oh, like, yeah. oh, I used to love this. Yeah, I'm glad I, you I like what I, I do. I but... Disco Workout. In fact, I probably have some MP3s on my laptop. Here's the story of my life. the album is listed as DiscoWorkout.com. That's me. Com, so that was me. That was me and my that. buddy, Jonatron and Sarah. So okay. that's where I heard Amy Winehouse was on a blog where it was the hot chip remix one cool thing about that remix is that it's super reverential to the original like it really isn't it's actually mm. kind of doing the re- repetition thing which yeah. is a remixy thing which wouldn't yeah. happen in the original and then they the beat is more <laughs> of a solid four to the floor and we'll get into more of the micro and nitty-gritty yeah. of the drums in a minute but aside from that it's kind of like True to the original sound. It's true to the original sound. That is interesting. There's a whole genre of remixes that barely changes. Like the, the Daft Punk remix to Get Lucky. It's indistinguishable. Almost, I cannot tell the difference. almost the exact same yeah. song, except that it's about 18 minutes long. And there is a part that's kind of cool towards the end. I think Daft Punk l- enjoys doing that to us. <laughs> <laughs> there are other people who've done that, though. Yeah. It's just like, that's, that's the remix? That's the remix, that's in quotes. I wonder how much, y'all, quotes, how, right. many, how much it checks y'all collected. I'll get into why Amy's voice has such a deep impact on me in a second. But first, what was going on in your life when <laughs> Rehab first came out? Or you what first was going it? on in What was going life? on in your life in that uh, era, in the well, Bloghouse era? It's funny that you say that because, like I said, I knew Hot Chip and I knew Amy Winehouse. I did not know that remix. Mm-hmm. I was DJing all the time, like three or four times a week. I was the director of music and talent uh, for Andre Bellage at his Standard Hotel's uh, here in Los Angeles. I did not know that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, you is... know, Andre, Andre Bellage. Mm, interesting. Um, you know, um, I was doing the Chateau Marmont and Bar Marmont. But basically, I had a lot of access to music. I was also hiring the other DJs. So, like, you know, when I wasn't DJing, I was still going in on my off nights and listening to other DJs play sets. And Amy Winehouse just kind of like, I feel like we discovered her. I might have come across her a couple of years before you because I was really big on her album, Frank. Big ballers, don't do nothing for ya. But you'd love a rich man six foot two or taller. Which was right. uh, Salam Remy's. Uh, it was, it was a jazz album. Right. You know, what was cool is it was like a jazz album that went well with Angie Stone and Jill Scott. Right. And if you were into like that kind of kind sound. Kind of a neo-soul jazz Absolutely. Yeah. Soul Quarian. Shout out to Questlove and, and, and Victor Duplay and all those guys. Um, it, 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 it absolutely fit into that same kind of set. And so when I wasn't hiring... You know, as the director of music and talent, I weighed in. I was a part of the design department. I weighed in on napkins and the uh, and the 
aprons that the chef wore, you know, back of house. I also hired the box models that went into the. Uh, so it, oh, it, right. I so if you those. were in Hollywood at a certain time, you would go into the standard hotel. The and there was always like a living person behind the front desk. Like in a the mermaid. Box. It was like a, sometimes we would dress them as a mermaid. Sometimes it was just as a student reading in her dorm room. His or her. <laughs> after a while, we had we had men doing it too. Uh, that was so was always, of an era, was wasn't it? Time. Yeah, we wouldn't do that time. now. And, and we? tourists were always like, oh my God, there's a live person behind the front desk. <laughs> it was crazy. But I feel like, you know, between the DJs and just being like around a lot of hipsters at that time, we sort of got that this was sort of an alternative to the hits of the day. And like, looking back, like, this is to say nothing against the hits of the day. Like, I love the fact you can look back on an era and the pop songs are everything from Missy Elliott to, you know... I mean, like rappers like T.I., any, anything with Neptune's production was big. Like it was a like hip hop and urban music at that time was like a hit factory. It's incredible to me that as a DJ, I never had to worry about what to play at midnight in a nightclub because there was always a big danceable hit that was coming out like every year and every month. And it was just cyclical and it just kept going. But there was still a need for the alternative scene you know i'm like th- i'm thinking now about that david byrne of, of talking heads line where he's like you know for there to be a true underground a true alternative it has to kind of go against the prevailing music and for a lot of us that was that you know neo soul sound because that stuff you could dance to it you know you could dance to sunshine anderson <laughs> her, her her big song but like that wasn't what was getting played on pop right on pop or even hip-hop radio and and amy was a part of that and i think that that was like a really cool thing about that period because you had stuff like amy winehouse you had peter bjorn and john you know right you know, we don't care about the Young folks yes exactly we don't care you know it was it was a fun it was a fun time of that was excellent i don't listen it was it was a fun time for catchy songs that weren't on the radio and i and i think about amy and ballet drawn boy and 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 freeform Five and, and Interpol. I mean, like, you know, Tori Moi, who's still out there producing. You know, these were some of, like, the first generation of Coachella artists. Yeah, and, and I think the bloghouse-ness of it all shouldn't be, like, discounted as being a factor in it. I think there's a lot of cross-pollination of genres and artists and styles is happening in this moment. Yeah. And literally what's being DJed, if it's trash, Errol Alkins, Night in London, <laughs> but all the way to like the Steve Aoki stuff before he became an EDM star. Listen, Remember I mean, Steve Aoki? Steve, I, I used to, you know, right? Steve, I, Steve knows I played this. his Tuesday night. What was that called again? In Hollywood? Uh, I don't think you can actually say the official name on the radio. Oh my God, was, I forgot it had, what it, it was. Had a, okay. It had a full fucking awesome. Okay. It was the fucking awesome party. But, you know, here's the thing <laughs> about Steve Snake Aoki. and all that, yeah. And I'm going to date myself, but like when I was hiring the DJs at the Standard, I was like, Steve, you you and Frankie Chan have this great thing going on Coanga Boulevard. It's bringing out hipsters from different, you know, black hipsters, white, like everybody who's listening to everything that's on there. You know, MacBook now, we're buying the records. Mark Ronson is spinning the records. Like, bring that vibe to the standard. And uh, and you could book Steve Aoki back then for like $150, $200, sure. just like now. all of us. It can't be done now. I, I, I offered him $150, $200 recently, and uh, I, I got a <laughs> cease and desist. <laughs> I got a cease and desist. <laughs> but let's get into Amy. Let's get into Amy's voice, yep. why it's so powerful and unique and beautiful, and why it resonates so much, or at least with me, emotionally. Mm. I have something I want to play for you that you may not have ever heard before quite in this way. Okay. They tried to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, you no, no, no. I ain't got the time. And if my daddy thinks I'm fine, 
It's try to make me go to rehab. I won't go, go, go. My God, listening to that, I don't know about you, but it gives me kind of chills. It's so good. Is 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 Sharon from the Dab Kings? Is she doing backup vocals on that? I don't think she's a part of this. I think there was actually a little bit of like tension—not tension, tension—but from what I understand, the Dab Kings working with Amy Winehouse and it being their big breakthrough ended up being a thing that they worked out eventually, but Sharon wasn't on board on day one. Let's put it that way. But you are absolutely right to point out that the Dap Kings, that's the group that Mark Ronson hired the production team and band to replicate the sound he had in his head. They absolutely nailed it. One of the reasons is because they used all of the techniques and styles and equipment from vintage late 50s, early 60s recording mm. for soul, for vintage soul and yeah, R&B so like tracks. 50s, 60s girl groups. So you're hearing the reverb that you'd hear in a girl group and reverb kind of, that's the sound of like you're in a, like in a, in the stairwell. That's what you're hearing. That's very 60s. It's the modern version of that might be delay or even just dry vocals, but that big sound, you're absolutely right to, you're nailing it with it being a girl group thing. And we'll get into more of the instruments in a minute, but they're recording techniques, recording to tape, the band recording all in one room instead of doing the drums and then laying down the bass on top. And then all of that was very much coming right out of the playbook of 60s recording techniques. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. You know, there's a lot going on with her vocals that I want to talk about. And one thing, and she's talked very openly and, and often about giving credit to her influences. And, you know, she loves, adores, I should say, from some of the things I've read, she loves Dinah Washington. Um, yes. She Let's actually, get into that. She's got a great uh, anecdote about how, like, her brother was playing Ray Charles, and she walked in the room and she's like, what is this? And that's all she listened to for three months was Ray Charles. <laughs> we'll get into Ray in just a moment, too, because he makes an appearance in this song. But he one does. thing I want to talk about first is to me i hear an awful lot of billy holiday yes. in her intonation totally in her the richness of her timbre which is a fancy way of saying like the actual the way her voice sounds is shout very out specific. to all the women named timbre out there <laughs> i love you timbre my first love i'll never forget <laughs> and um yeah so here let's listen to some billy this is her 1941 rendition of the classic all of me and see if you can hear some of the similarities that i'm hearing your goodbye Left me with eyes that cry. Wow, I love it. Chills. I get chills with, with Billy as well. She's one of my favorite artists, mm -hmm. favorite singers, songstresses. Um, <laughs> seamstress? Songster? That, songstress? I said songstress I, and it I didn't feel like it. a word like all of it. a sudden. I think I've seen it before. Maybe I've made it up just now. Let's make it a thing. One thing that I hear in common with Billy and Amy is besides, again, sort of the resonance of their vocal tone, just the sound of their voice, mm -hmm. is their rhythmic choices, how it's mm -hmm. a very jazz thing. They're, the syncopation. It's, they're kind of behind yeah. the beat. Yes, it's a little bit time. lazy. There are some sounds Everybody that are... Timber, Timberland yep. to uh, Jay Dilla, they, they really know how to write that beat that's just behind the beat. It's so funny this you is not the, that. This is not the beat that you can create... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, so there is a there's a there's an app in, in Teslas where you can create a beat while you're sitting <laughs> what? in parking lots. There's an app in the Tesla. My where you friends can make who beats? own Teslas have told me this. And uh you can't find that beat in there. 
That beat is not there. Thank right. God. You're not so. able to get that lazy a little yes, behind. Yes, exactly. Just that little jazzy, bit behind the right, beat. Right, yeah, it makes right. a big difference. You know, it's funny you mentioned some of those artists. We'll get to that in a minute. But you're dead on. I think we're both hearing the same things, which mm-hmm. is that rhythm is being played with, placement of the sound, placement of the notes. And um, I think, obviously, Amy's first love was jazz. hundred percent. You know, again, you know, I was a DJ and I remember that first album. That first album was so jazz. It had, um, it had songs like Take the Box. I came home this evening and nothing felt like how it should be. I feel like it had, uh, In My Bed. In my bed, actually samples Nas's is uh, they shooting, you know oh, they really? shooting. Made you look, okay. That's awesome. all the hip hop fans out there were like, that's not the name of the song. Okay, you know what? It's <laughs> called Made You Look. Okay, get off. Your... <laughs> Turn down the volume in your car for a little bit. Um, you know, like she was a jazz artist, and we loved mm-hmm. it because she allowed modern listeners to have like slightly less crackly <laughs> recordings to enjoy the sounds of a Billie Holiday right, right. and an Ella Fitzgerald and, and, and also like Etta James and, and just Absolutely. these artists Etta that James. you just don't, it. you yep. know, if you like that type of singing and voice, it, it takes me back to when I first heard Erica Badu and to a certain extent, I feel like Amy Winehouse is like a, is I had the same reaction the first time I heard her. First time I heard Erica Badu, I was working at um, the radio station for my college. Kadar Massenberg and his eminent brilliance uh, record label exec sent out these 12 inches that had a piece of incense taped to the 12 inch. Incense? It was a one stick of incense. I I don't know if it was frankincense and myrrh or Egyptian musk, but I know that it it came with a free stick of incense. And when you're a college student and you're broke, you're like, ah, free incense from my dorm. (laughs) And I was like, all right, I'll I'll put on the record. You know, it might be cool. And here comes this woman who like who like. Amy Winehouse, Erica Badu, she sounds like she's singing from another era. Right. You know what I mean? Right. right. And so the incense is flowing and you have this song. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate that about, about Amy because it's like she's singing like Ella and Etta over Phil Spector 1960s songs, you know, and her exactly. voice had, you know, just she, she was tying into black singers of an earlier era. era. I will have to admit something at this point before I forget to say it. Speaking of 12 inches, I had the 12 inch to rehab. Oh, okay. you did? And <laughs> what were the remixes on it, but not the hot well, chip one? We can talk about the remixes on it, but I want to talk about the cover art. Because on the cover art, I didn't know, I I liked Frank, but it never had occurred to me, the songs off of Frank, it never occurred, I wasn't like a Amy oh, Stan at this going. point. Yeah. Okay, so I think if you're like viewing this online, we'll probably throw up a picture of it. Um, if you're driving, just Google Amy Winehouse rehab single. Um She's darker than me on the cover of this. Uh, on the cover of this day, she's very, very dark. I don't know what bronzer she had used that day, but she's <laughs> she's a sis. And you know, this she doesn't have the pompadour. <laughs> she right. doesn't have like the the Phil the Ronnie Spector. She pompadour. has the oh, she doesn't have it yet. No, okay, okay, okay. Bruh, that hair is down okay. and it is it is matted and is very right. from a distance. You think that you're looking she's at a Rasta. at a at a black woman with with dreads, yeah. like. You know, and I'm just saying that it's almost like the flip of like in the early in the 50s and 60s. Once again, yes. when like soul groups <laughs> would be, have like a right. picture of two a white couple walking along. 
along the sand, oh God, yeah. and it'd be like, I'll always think of you by the spinners, you know, right. like whatever that was. Right. This was the flip of that right. because I was just like, oh, the sister could say, I didn't. Of course, Salam Remy's working with with this uh, Nubian princess, but then of course, <laughs> <laughs> as we learned, well, I was actually shocked. So you did not know. When did Bro. you find out she was not a Nubian princess? <laughs> 2015. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but four years after like, her death. No, I found out obviously at some point. Somebody was like, "Hey, this is Amy Winehouse." I was like, "Oh, that's not what I imagined at all." But <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I thought she I looked like Merlot, but <laughs> <laughs> but no. But seriously, it is interesting to me that I do feel like in the beginning she was marketed to us as that woman and 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 i was going back and looking at some of her earlier videos from the frank era like she always had a black love interest in those videos always like a a dude who you know kind of looked like me if i worked out you know like <laughs> it, was, it was that guy mm-hmm. and um and i do think she was to a certain extent you know she, there's, there's some there's some blue-eyed soul going on here that we we do have to acknowledge yeah. to your point jazz is her first love and mm-hmm. all of these singers all of these r&b and blues and jazz singers she grew up li- li- like listening to obsessing over wanting to be like out of absolute purity because that is not the path to riches and stardom. This is just her love was the yeah, music. Yeah, no, she, she was mad cool. And yeah. and I will say that, like, as somebody who was into music at the time and DJing, like, this was a song that did hit with, you know, people from all over, you know, like, every, it, was, it was everybody's cool song. You know, it wasn't My Humps by the Black Eyed Peas. Shout out to Taboo, you know. <laughs> But it wasn't we that give a shout out It to was Taboo a cool every episode. that everybody like could be get a into. Thing. Go on, sorry. Didn't no, what was it? I was just saying that should be a thing. Always giving a shout out to Taboo every episode. <laughs> I'm only going to... Not Appleby Dab, not Will I Am. <laughs> just Taboo. Taboo's a forgotten member. Poor guy. Um, I did, not forgotten. You, you remembered him just now. I remember Live right on Sirius XM. But I think that was one thing. It, at the end of the day, like, there's Amy. Yeah. And there is a person who seems really approachable, really real, and, like, connected to the culture. And you feel like you just want to be a part of that. Right. It's so funny you said that because what Mark Ronson t- says when he talks about their first meeting is that because what happens when you're a producer and you're w- working with a lot of people, you get set up on these blind dates with <laughs> artists. And so he talks about Awkward how he first was, dates over Froyo. Absolutely. Lots of Froyo involved. So <laughs> I, he talks about how at their, before they met for the first time, he was sort of not sure what to anticipate because there was mm. some tabloid stuff already. And there was the previous record. He didn't know what, what was going to happen with their with their with their chemistry. And he says that immediately they, they hit it off. First of all, they're both Russian Jews in the music industry, which was something that apparently mm-hmm. connected them. And, and frankly, I'm also a Russian Jew in the music industry. And that's right part of the story for me with the connection, I think, yeah. um, that I later figured out was is there. But more specifically, when they first met and they first sat down, and in fact, they didn't sit down. They went for a walk. And one of their first conversations was Amy talking about her rehab experience. And she said it kind of as a joke. She was like, yeah, they tried to make me go to rehab. And people, I, it, this is almost too good to be true. I know. But I've heard this story so many times. Yeah. What happened? Amy was saying, they tried to make me go to rehab. I said, no, no, no. Ronson's like, wait a second. That is a song. Clear the rest of your afternoon. We, we are go. going back yeah. to the studio. And that's exactly <laughs> what they did. That's exactly what they did. Amy was a little bit like, I was just joking. Are you serious? And he's like, no, that's a real hook now, right there. Now, her dad says, mm. have you heard this? I probably her have heard him deny. Her dad says that she had those words written in her song oh, book. Oh, really? And that she had intended on writing a song to that point. You know what that, that 
could very well be because she wrote it that night, apparently rather mm-hmm. quickly, yeah. because she went back and had the basic chords and the melody and the words in enough time that she left and Ronson stays up all night in the studio crafting a demo, <laughs> which I'd like to play for you right now. Because what's incredible about it is remembering this story. Mm-hmm. This, the next morning, this exists. And 24 hours prior, it didn't exist. And listen to how close to the final Ooh, this demo wait. ends up being. I can't wait. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, you know, 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 I ain't got the time. And if my daddy thinks I'm fine, just try to make me go to rehab. I say, no, no, no. Woo! Mark is clean. Yeah. You know, it's easy to hate on a dude pulling on so many decades of of pop music and black music, but I, you know. He doesn't, I'll tell you what he's not guilty of. He's not guilty of like wholesale copy. Yeah. You know, and I think that you got to get, because it's, I mean, it's hard to like pull in these influences and not make the drum be like, you know, like going straight towards one song. The Be My Baby. Yeah. Special shout out to one song. It's the best show on the radio. Yeah. But like, it's very easy to like, you know, when you're trying to do an homage to a period, sort yeah. of latch on to one song. He doesn't really do that. Uh, by the way, Rehab Success also made Ronson the go-to guy for retro sounds. I, yeah. You know, people, you know, I've already mentioned uh, Salam was going for jazz. Rafael Sadiq has a whole period of his career from House of Music by Tony, Tony, Tony through uh, Instant Vintage, where he's trying to capture like this classic soul sound. And, you know, in that way, you, Mark Ronson is like the white Raphael Sadiq. And I'm sure Mark considers that a huge compliment because like, he, he loves black music. And, I, and, and I'm a little bit mixed about it because, listen, white artists tend to make more money over time than black artists. You know, look up rock and roll, you know, when you have a second. But I mean, like, I can't take anything away from Ronson. Like, I feel like, you know, he listens to the right records. He knows how to extrapolate without even interpolating, you know, heavily. And, uh, you know, shout out to him, man. I mean, like, this Amy's record is just one of those great iconic records. Of right, the right. I don't want to be too contrarian, but with that beat, I actually have a couple of examples that I do think he was inspired pretty directly, but not in a illegal sort of way. Mark, you crook. He's not a crook. How dare you I make me look like an idiot and steal from black artists? So what's incredible about what you just heard is that that's actually all Ronson. He went in there, laid down the drums, played guitar, played bass, did the Wurlitzer. He did all of that that night. So when they, when Amy returned to the studio the next day, she heard basically what you just heard. So this is just me theorizing here, but when I hear the beat that Ronson laid down, I'm pretty sure he was pulling from one of these songs as inspiration. He went away and you hung around and bothered me every night. And I wouldn't go out with you. You said things that weren't very nice. My boyfriend's back and you're gonna be in trouble. Right now, I'm sorry. Is that the is that the version of my boyfriend's back that we've always heard our entire yes, lives? Although there are several different re-recordings of it. That's because I don't Angels. remember that intro to the song. I just remember oh, yeah. it coming in. My boyfriend's back, and you're going to be in trouble. Well, that's has not the only that one intro? that has that beat. And here's another <laughs> another track from a couple years earlier. The probably the original version okay. of that. Let's hear it. This is the Marvelettes with their track "Please, Mr. Postman." By the way, incidentally, the first Motown number one. Wait, oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Wait, wait, hey, 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 Mr. Postman. Wait, Mr. Postman. 
So we may have a lineage there where the Marvelettes version, which lays out lays down that boom. I mean, I've, I've heard, I've heard that, I've heard yeah. the Postman's back. <laughs> the opening of my boyfriend's back. Yeah. By the way, it seems like everybody's back in Everyone's those early back. songs. Yeah. If, I, if I wrote a song today, I'd just be like, people, back. Are, ba- people are back. We're back. Backstreet's <laughs> you'd back. Be, you'd get to at All least right. top 40, yeah. apparently. But yeah. besides everybody being back, <laughs> I got to say that intro to my boyfriend's back, how did I never, I've never noticed it having an intro before. That, that, that's Right, that's interesting. Me. Well, no, there are, you know, back then with the girl groups, you've got like a handful of songwriting teams that want to have the song get cut as many times as possible. So I definitely have an Angels version of the, My Boyfriend's Back, and I think I have a Marvelettes. I might even have a Ronettes version. What was there the were biggest version? The, Ronette, the Ronettes? It, the Angels, I think, is the big. Is the big, is the big? one you know, yeah. But it's possible that you've How heard one of the others. I just don't, I feel like I've never heard of the Angels. <laughs> you know? Yeah, a lot Do they of have these, any other hits that I know of? A lot of these girl groups um, were one and done. That's mm. definitely their big, that is their big track. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. By the way, I'm still learning stuff about you. I didn't know you and Amy have some shared background going on. Right. It's true. I mean, between their Jewishness, but also specifically their Ashkenazi Jewishness and Russian oh, Jewishness. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, one thing about being a Jew in the music industry is people are often not aware of the fact that there are literally 14 million Jews on planet Earth. There's not that many. <laughs> We're a little bit overrepresented in certain industries. So the fact of the matter is. Sometimes I'll kind of go about my business and kind of notice somebody or somebody's art and feel a certain connection and then only later notice that it might be, oh, wait, they're Jewish? I don't know why that would be relevant, but I kind of feel like it is. And for me, when my experience in kind of hearing her music and like learning about her and, and especially watching some of the documentaries about her, which are very poignant, I feel this kind of older brotherness towards her. Um, which may or may not be connected to our being of shared heritage, but there's a lot about her that feels very like, that moves me in a very deep way. It's hard to put my finger on exactly why, but then it all comes through that voice and you hear her singing and you hear her struggle. And of course she passes away in 2011 at age 27 and the whole thing is very, you know, it's a sad... She was a 27 too, huh? She was a 27 club. I hate saying 27 club, but that's what it is, Mm -hmm. along with... Brian Jones and Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison, right? Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin and I think Kurt Cobain, I think, pretty sure. But yeah, too many, way too many. I mean, to be honest, the more I think about it, that connection that I have is pretty universal. I think everyone was rooting for Amy. I think watching her decline into drugs and the horrible paparazzi situation she was constantly surrounded by and the bulimia, it's like there's thing after thing after thing that she was suffering through in public as a very young person. And I think, and it comes out in the music, we hear it in the music. Rehab of all the songs, to be honest, is maybe the most humorous because it does sort of stem from that lightheartedness. Mm -hmm. And yet the subject matter is very dark. She should have gone to rehab. She shouldn't have said no, no, no. So, it is funny because when I heard the song at the time, I thought that was just the coolest song. And, it, you know, obviously we didn't know the extent to, of her problems at, at that point. But it is funny because you, you and I are both dads. Yes. And the story about her. Different you children, know, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> we think. But, you know, when we, um, when I hear that, you know, that conversation, you know, that's basically her dad saying, I want you to go to rehab. She's saying no. I hear that differently now that I'm a father. Yeah. You know, I, I hear through her anecdote of father's desperation he knows that there's something going on here and he wants her to make a change and so that story which you know i would have probably thought at the time was like 
cool and radical and push against yeah. you know authority. Right. Now I hear it and I'm like, oh God, please, please listen to parents. Sometimes yeah. they know what they're they're talking about. It's, it is funny how that kind of thing can affect you differently. Uh, you know, my reading of the line is line. that, and from what I understand of the story of watching the documentaries, is that the dad was saying, my daddy says it's fine. <laughs> that, may, that maybe I'm misreading the line, but like as I understood the anecdote. The the line was originally he tried to make me go to rehab yeah. and I said no 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 and yeah. so I maybe we're saying the same thing but yeah you know I do think that we can know, also to a certain extent it was a, not a father talk shit about Mitch on <laughs> trying, the air. that's yeah. fair I am I curious think we, I think he was I think there was some concern there uh, for for his daughter but I think it's important to point out that like you know we we know that these artists have you know issues with with substances but the same way I feel about Charlie Parker like yeah. not everybody who took heroin was as dope as Charlie Parker. Like, you know, not everybody who has Amy issues was as dope as Amy. Amy was dope because she was just a dope human being. I mean, she maybe, had an amazing voice and an amazing talent. Yeah. And she was an amazing student of like all these old art forms. Yeah, she was. She loved jazz. She was an aficionado. It was very innate to her. In fact, she didn't pay attention to pop music. She was a hardcore practitioner of the art and songwriter in that form. She was as legit as it gets. In fact, here's Questlove of The Roots talking about Amy's appreciation of that genre. I really miss not having her here to school me on jazz. I mean, I thought I was a music snob, and I thought I, was, I, thought I had my doctorate in jazz, but no, like, there was so much more I could have learned. And, um, you know, she, that's, she's a, a teacher. More than, like, oh, my Skype buddy. She taught me a lot. Well, according to Questlove, before her death, Amy had expressed wanting to start a supergroup, including him, as well as Yassine Bey and Raphael Sadiq. Two out of three of those are good Pretty choices. Two, oh, yeah. of those, two out of three. Shout out oh, to Raphael and Yassine. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Mm. Okay. I, I think it's a good lineup, but you know, I will say in all seriousness, Quest knows how I feel about him. Um, in all seriousness, this song has such longevity because she, because Amy has so much respect for the genres that she's paying homage to, you know, like when you think about the, um, you know, this is, this is, this is traditionally black music, but Amy is like, in a way she's like, you know, just bringing it back to the forefront. You know, the proximity of Amy Whitehouse to black music and artists, black music was always, you know, it was it was it was really becoming pop during this time. Right. I just want to put it back into context. Like black music was pop music. We had finally supplanted rock music. Like some <laughs> forty two and right. you know even Fallout Boy and 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 Good Charlotte. Like right. they were they were playing second fiddle no, right. by this point. There's a moment right around Missy this time when literally hip hop takes over as the number one genre, as the, as right? the driver right? of youth culture in this country. It's so funny, and it's easy to forget how. And by the way, it's about to get supplanted again. Just a couple. Oh, years <laughs> later by EDM. Oh, and okay. I think EDM comes in and all of a sudden that takes over. But like Jay-Z played Redding and, you know, Liam Gallagher of right. Oasis had a big problem with it and, and, Oasis, and, and Jay-Z gets up there and performs right. Wonderwall and somehow the lyrics are a perfect troll of Oasis. It's, it's incredible. So I love that. But it's like, on the one hand, you've got it's all these... It's easy to forget there's that moment where that transition's happening because we're yes. just living in that era now. We're living in the in the after of that yeah, era. Yeah, we're living in the... I mean, like now, I mean, like, who, it's, it's also blended now. Right. Like, Lil Uzi Vert has like a huge song, you know, this year and it's 
basically right. Baltimore club music. Little like Yachty sounds like really Tame Impala, right? Period. The last Little Yachty record sounds like Tame Impala. Yes, Little Yachty is trying to sound like Jimi Hendrix. I mean, like we're still figuring out what right. the what the sound of this decade is right. going to be. But looking back, you know, some fifteen years to the period of that Amy Winehouse is in, she's literally giving us an alternative to you know all the black artists who are literally like you know, crossing over with this mass appeal. And yet she's able to bring us this music that's influenced by all these cool, cool genres of the past. Um, well said. Yeah. Speaking of Jay-Z. Let's speak about Jay-Z. <laughs> I mean, like I, I bring up Jay-Z to talk about this transition to pop culture. When in fact, who should happen to appear on the remix of Rehab? Heron flows more deeper than Maryland snows. I'm a OT to love and peace like Anna Nicole. Man, Jay-Z used to come with some savage <laughs> lines, you know? how funny that was. Like, I, but you don't give him props. Like, he did a whole, he did the H-O-V-O-D flow. You know what I mean? All overdoses, all famous overdoses. <laughs> and uh, that that Anna Nicole thing was not, you know, it's usually time plus tragedy. He was just like, tragedy. <laughs> Cold. But, you know, I will say Justin Timberlake took a similar route with his multiple collaborations with producer and artist Timbaland. You know, but Amy was just, she was just more of an outsider, right. you know, than them. I mean, like, Timberlake, he was he was making forays. I, I love uh, Suit and Tie just for the sample of, I think the song is Sly and Wicked or something like that. You'll, you'll have to, you know, Timbaland is also a student of, of just really cool music, and he would pass these off to Timberlake. But that was like a safe play. I mean, like, no, no diss to them. That was safe because you've got one of the most successful hip-hop producers of all time, one of the most successful pop artists. She's coming out of nowhere. Right. You know, about the time NSYNC is saying bye bye bye, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's nowhere to be right. found on 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 the zeitgeist map. So I just think that they um they it was it was it was a wild and rambunctious time, and I'm so happy they took the chances they took. You know, do y'all? I think you called it perfectly earlier. We've been talking about a lot of the influences, Amy's voice. Uh, the production style, what Ronson brought to it. We've got the girl groups. We've got the Dap Kings. We've got 50s and 60s soul. There's one other point, though, that I think often gets overlooked. You kind of alluded to it earlier, and I want to go a little deeper into the Jay Dilla connection. Oh, nice. Because I think there really is a, a one going on here. Okay. That people kind of, the jazz and the, and the reverb and the 60s soul are usually kind of top of mind. So let's get into that. But yes, first, let's have a little break, and we'll get into oh, it right after. Yeah. you got to pay the bills. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. 
and the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All right, Luxury, before the break, you told me you had discovered a connection between Amy Winehouse and Jay Dillon. I got to hear. I got to hear what this is. I think there's something about this track in particular that's very Dilla. And part of it comes from how Amy is approaching her vocal, her top line, with, as we alluded to before, with the jazz kind of behind the beat. Syllables are lagging. She's doing that. It's swinging. It's not landing exactly where the beat mm. is. But the band is playing funk with a pretty strict, tight rhythm. Okay. It's not swinging yeah. very distinctively. Mm-hmm. And that combination where the band is straight up funk yeah. and she's singing on top, her vocal line has got that swing, that little lag, that jazz swing feel to mm-hmm. it. That combination, when I heard it on my most recent listen, I'm thinking, oh, there's a little Dilla going on here. There's something happening. Oh, I see. Just the fact that it doesn't... There are two different yeah. rhythms happening simultaneously. If you listen to these old jazz records, when Dinah's swinging, the band is swinging too. With the her. drummer is swinging yeah. too. When you hear James Brown, he is not swinging when the band is not swinging. They're doing their strict funk. And of right. course, there's still a pocket thing. There's still maybe a groove that's a little bit behind. But there is a matching of the top line of the vocal and the instrument. So it's really interesting when you start to think about this happening in the Dilla era, I would argue. Like Dilla uh, has just come out of going from not existing to being everywhere, to yeah. being like everyone's quest favorite. not existing anymore because right. I think he dies in like 2006. This is, this is um, right. Q-Tip's favorite producer. It's Questlove's favorite producer. It's maybe even so Ronson's it's, it's, favorite it's, it's producer. It's many people's favorite. Yeah. Producer, and I mean, like you know, to a certain extent, it's it's so unfortunate that he was not with us longer. And there's also the story about him producing beats in his hospital bed. I know, you know. I think Donuts right came out of that, right? Yeah, Donuts is just a beautiful, beautiful album. And if you, you know, just don't know Donuts by Jay Dilla, just go out and listen. It's actually all instrumental. Like there's yeah. almost no rapping on it, but it's it's production in the purest form. Anyway, I, I, please continue. No, that's exactly it. I think that there's a lot of Dilla influence going on in in rehab specifically. And I don't know how much of that was intentional or how much was just kind of, yeah, as we've been you, talking about, feeling what the moment was culturally. Can you think of any other artists where the singer is swinging and the band is not, or the band is swinging? I, 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 we can probably think of plenty of examples where the band is swinging and the singer is not. Uh, Pat Boone, but you can probably think I, I can't think of too many where the where where the singer is swinging and the band is not. That does seem pretty interesting. Yeah, no, that's a great examples? question. I think we can probably come we'll, we'll up with a few some, more. We'll check some out, not to put But certainly, um, Dilla, especially like the Slum Village stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff that I think if we listen to some examples, you'll hear what I'm talking about. Yeah, let's listen to some. One, two. One, two, three. Feel my 
So in that example, as you can hear, that drum beat, that mm-hmm. looped break beat is strict. It's on the one, it's mm-hmm. on the down beat. The hi-hats, because sometimes he'll do it with different instruments. Sometimes the hi-hats are kind of funky. Mm-hmm. In this case, Dilla just took a strict break beat. Yeah. But that sample that's on top of it is a little woozy and a little behind. Absolutely, it's behind the it's beat. It's behind, and the vocals come in, and they're like, it's surprising, even as the loop goes on, and it's the same every time, every single repetition of it seems a little bit surprising. Like every single time you're like, where am I? It's like the the drums are Prometheus (laughs) and everything else on that song is wrapped around his ankles. Took the words out of my mouth. Prevent him from walking forward. That's a beautiful analogy. Thank you. I I was sitting on that Prometheus. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I will bring this up on today's show. Right. So Rehab has a little less of a crazy version of that. She's swinging on top vocally. The band is mostly straight up. Drummer's giving us funk. Uh, But this is just another example of how Amy was not just a singer and not just a songwriter. That would be plenty, given her voice. But Mm -hmm. she's also a musician. She's a gifted songwriter and guitar player. And... um, in this instance, in rehab, she's using her voice like a tool in the same way that Dilla was making beats. That's great. I ain't got the time, and if my daddy thinks I'm fine, just try to make me go to rehab, I won't go, go, go. We've talked a lot about the artists who influenced Amy, but let's talk a little bit about the artists that Amy influenced, because right. let's be honest, the second anybody makes a dollar in this business, a bunch of imitators show up. And some Im- listen, some imitators are great. You some know? of them are great, some of them less so. Listen, the rapper Nine came out, and I thought he was dope, but then DMX came out, copied Nine. I was like, oh, DMX, that's just a poor man's Nine. Oh, man. Now nobody remembers Nine, I sadly. No I mean, nine like, is, yeah. shout out to Nine. If you're listening, man, call us, bro. What's the you expression? Know? There's a, there's an expression. Devo has a record called this, the... Uh, the pioneers with arrows in their back. Yeah. First <laughs> yeah. mouse, first mouse, second rat gets the cheese. Is another oh, way of yes, putting it. Oh, yes, of course. Second rat gets the that, cheese. That only makes sense. All I'm saying is that there were people, both good and bad, who yeah. came out. In the and it was Amy, clear that yeah. the Amy Winehouse... It started a trend, like you're saying. It started a trend, absolutely. I mean, I feel like Amy opened the door for a lot of British soul singers. I mean, if you think back, in addition to just the big, the big one... Adele. And when you say British soul singers, like, what do they look like, some of these British soul singers? Well, a lot of them are, are white people. Interesting. Yeah. But, you know, you've got Adele, you, Duffy. I don't know if people remember got to remember yeah. Duffy. Uh-huh. Like, Duffy was just like, hey, this, this she was this, there too. This bandwagon looks awfully spacious, y'all. We've got I'm some room on there for me. Um, you had Ellie Goulding. You know, the thing about Ellie Goulding and Lily Allen is that I, I feel like Lily Allen might have come out about the same time. I mean, there's always been these pop british pop songstresses as you might put it um (laughs) but at the same time like i feel like after amy was in there like a lot of them were like this is our time you know what i mean and and it was you know it produced music both good and derivative and i'd also point out like you have estelle you know who was big out there she she did american boy with with, with kanye west and you had corinne bailey ray i mean like there were just a lot of british you know, songbirds right. that came out but, around the time that Amy had blown up. And of course, Amy was having some personal issues at that time. So someone had to carry the torch. Well, and obviously Adele say, was the most successful. I was just going to say, you, you totally teed it up. But Adele, clearly, when you think about it, that's maybe what Amy's career might have been or should have been in a way. It could have been. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, of course, Adele came through uh, their, you know, a, a reality pop, you know, talent show. But I feel like, you know, with that voice and with those pipes, Amy had opened doors for her that may not have been as open here. Definitely. 
as people's they ears been. were ready for they it. Were, were ready our ears for were ready for that. Yeah. Our ears were ready for them to belt out these these you know Ella Fitzgerald classics and then be like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but it's not unimportant to point out as you already have in this in this in this hour of our discussion how yeah. you know Amy wasn't the first to be doing the neo soul sound in not the most in recent past. She I put mean, she a wasn't new even the first white one to do it. it. Like mm-hmm. Jess Stone is a sort of a forgotten artist, and Jess Stone had some great songs, but she was like in the immediate wake of Jill and Angie and, and some of those singers. So Nika Costa was Mark Ronson's first white girl singing black <laughs> sound and songs. Right, right. And she did like a feather. Which I first discovered, like many people, in a Gap commercial. <laughs> but it was a, but that was like when Gap commercials could break songs. Right. Like I'll never forget the Gap commercial that had uh, "Lovely Day" by by Bill Withers, and like it had all those cool dancers on. And all of a sudden, all DJs were getting requests for Bill Withers. All of a sudden, it, right. and it wasn't just the two of us. It was "Lovely Day," which is to this day one of his most lovely songs. It is a lovely um, song. You know, so that was when Gap was breaking songs like TikTok. And Mark Ronson had Like a Feather with Nika Costa. And it was a great song. But for whatever reason, Nika didn't blow up, you know. And and while we're on the subject, you know, because we're going to talk about him in a future episode, Robin Thicke, also from this sort of like very early 2000s blue-eyed soul movement just right here in sort of like the New York tri-state area. So you had Mark Ronson, you had Robin uh, Thicke, you had Nika Costa, and they were all making music at a time when there was just a little bit of a window of an opening for that type of music. Amy opened the door for all these singers, both good and bad. And I mean, let's be honest, not all of them are great. I still remember Megan Trainor's first song, All Uh-oh. About That Bass. It sounds like it's like the pop version of Amy Winehouse. Yeah. I, I sort of consider it a poor man's Amy Winehouse song. And you're right to consider it that. I will yeah. not defend, no no shade, but like, you know, let's I'm leave your comment there. I'm not Megan Trainor. She didn't write it. Part of the problem. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's all good. Shout out to Megan Trainor. If you ever want to come on the show and fit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right now, we she's can, like, we can connect. I, hear, I hear some of the unwashed she senses, her spidey senses talking about yeah. me. <laughs> all right. Anyway. So that was Rehab by Amy Winehouse, a worthy Ooh. song to kick off the show. Hey, Luxury, let's play one song category. I love that game. (laughs) How do we play it again? Oh, that's right. I'm glad you asked. Okay, the rules are simple. We'll each have 30 seconds to name as many people as we can who are connected to Amy Winehouse. It could be another artist. It could be a producer. It could be a wild card. The only thing it can't be is is a name the other person already said. So, winner. Hey, listen, these are the stakes. The winner gets to pick the next song. And a duffel bag filled with Renaissance tickets, no questions asked. A Duffy bag. You can't say another name. We already broke the rules. Come on. <laughs> okay. I am ready. And that prize sounds really sassy. Oh, so I'm, I'm serious. Into it. Um, before the show, we flipped a coin to determine who goes first. And guess what? It's me. It's you. It's All right, me. great. Producer Jordan, please put 30 seconds on the clock. Mark Ronson. Um... Raphael Sadiq. Um, is going. Questlove. Uh, Q-Tip. Um, Jill Scott. Um, Erica Badu. Uh, Jay Dilla. Um, um, ah, pressure of time. Brain not working. Pressure Duffy. Um, Adele. <laughs> and also Homer Steinweiss. 
And then again, there is. That's it. Oh my God, I'm so he relieved it's ten. over. That I, was very stressful. No, I did not that enjoy was super it. stressful. But you know, you named a lot of good ones. I feel kind of bad for you, but I also have faith in you. I mean, I will say, whoever goes second is. This a is a tricky, tricky spot. This is a tricky spot. But okay. everyone's rooting for you, though. No, they're not. I didn't get any sympathy for that. I was so whiny. <laughs> well, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's get it. Do this. All right. So did you say, hey, go? I'm ready to go. Phil Spector, Ron Spector, <laughs> Barry Gordy, <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, this is good. Billy Holiday. Smart. Etta James. Good track. Keep going. Uh, Benny Goodman. Proud of you. <laughs> Charlie Parker. A little jealous. John Coltrane. Amazing. Jay-Z. No duds. Pharaoh Monch. What? Left field. Um, Oasis. Shocking. <laughs> Beyonce. Obvious. Time's up. Pencils down. Who won? Who won? I won! <laughs> I won! You deserved it. You earned that. Man, that was hard as you hell. You earned that. You got the, re- the renaissance you blew, you blew through the, the, Yeah. I the panicked at about 20 seconds. Fun fact, the uh, <laughs> remix, the remix to Rehab uh, that I owned was actually featured Jay-Z and Pharaoh Munch. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. That's where Pharaoh Munch. Shout out to Pharaoh Munch. That was where I lost it. That's where you won in my heart. <laughs> that was beautiful. I'm very impressed. Well, Luxury, I'm so glad I got to hear your Amy Winehouse story on our very first episode of One Song. I know. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. So glad the audience could join us for the ride. We really hope you all enjoyed the episode, and we really enjoyed sharing it with you. So that's one for the history books. Luxury, help me in this thing. I am producer, DJ, and songwriter, Luxury. And I'm actor, writer, and sometimes DJ Diallo Riddle. And And this this is is One Song. Song. Until next time. One Song is a SiriusXM and Kevin Hart's LOL Radio production. It's hosted by me, Luxury, and my friend Diallo Riddle. This episode was produced by Matthew Nelson and Jordan Colling with engineering from Marcus Hom. Additional production support from Leslie Guam, Charles Childers, and Alicia Shimada. The show is executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, Mike Stein, Brian Smiley, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.